I have a question for you. How many people were not here last week? Y'all missed a great start to this series. So uh, uh, it was it was a it was a good week. But uh, uh, as I said last time, I'll say it again. This time we're going to do something very unpresbyterian. We're starting on time. So with that said, let me open us with prayer. Father, it is good to come uh, into your house this morning, and as we uh, consider uh, the topic before us, the topic of aging, uh, we look to Scripture and we see uh, all the wisdom that uh, comes through uh, those who have uh, gained many years, and we just pray that now that we would uh, learn uh, from one who uh, has some of those years and has some wisdom in this uh, area. And we just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. In Christ's name, amen. Did you hear him say our age bracket? That was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just heard it all. No, I got a helper today who's going to, when you all say something, he's going to, because I'm going to ask you to help me today. Yes, I like to present myself as the I don't know answer woman. So I'm going to have you all give me some questions. I got some great questions last week. And um, so I essence said, please, if you do have comments, they want to hear what your what your comments are based on your experience. Um, I really, is Jess here today? Because I wanted to give Jess a little rap on the knuckles. When he heard I was doing this, he said, there he is. I'm talking about you, Jess. <laughs> Jess came up to me before I ever started this series and said, well, I think they picked the right person. You certainly have enough experience in this a- area. <laughs> Getting old, huh? That's what that, yeah, <laughs> that's what he meant. Anyway, uh, I, I really enjoyed last week. And I want you to tell me what you really worry about. And I want to know because if you don't think, if you think you're alone, you're not. I wish I knew the answers for my own life. Um, so who wants to start with something they are worried about or want to hear some opinions on? All right. Many of you who know me know that we have issues with my mom. Uh, she has macular degeneration. She's full-blown, all-stage, whatever, Alzheimer's, doesn't know anybody. Um, it's probably harder on the family than it is on her because she doesn't know. But that, that worries me. I mean, what do we do? Um, I don't want to be a uh, – <laughs> it's hard to put – I don't want to be a burden on my children, but – you know, at the same time, while, yes, it is a burden, it's also a blessing. But, you know, how do you reconcile these things? What do we do? with it? What can we do for ourselves to prepare ourselves and make our children for this? That is a very big question that faces so many people. I know other people in here who didn't speak up just then, but they are facing the aging parents sometimes aging grandparents for the younger people in here, and um, they don't know what to do with them. And I faced that myself, and I will tell you now that I did not handle it well. 
I, first of all, became very angry with my parents for getting old. I did not like this. They were my parents, and they were supposed to take care of me, and how dare they start failing. And it was not a Christian way to handle it. Uh, sometimes I think, I think I told you all last week, we feel that we should have the answers. We've got the answers all in this book I have right in front of me here, the Holy Bible. But we can't always apply it ourselves. Nobody wants to see their parents get older and die. Nobody wants to see their grandparents get older and die. And so sometimes we say, don't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You're letting me down. Also, if you have children and you are, torn, you are also torn between how you maneuver your way through taking care of the parents and grandparents and also taking care of your children and not neglecting them. So I'd like to hear what some other people have done with this or if you're facing the same things. David's got this. Uh, my dad was um, put in a nursing home when he was like 52 uh, from a stroke, and he lived there the rest of his life. And so um, that was very hard for us. And uh, what I learned to do was it was very hard for me to visit him, but I thought how hard it must really be for him to be there. And... Um, a pastor did tell me that even though he had been in the nursing home for 20 years and couldn't speak to me, that when he died, that it would really be an impact on me. And I did not believe that. I said, my father died 20 years ago or whenever he went in the nursing home. But I have to tell you, when he died, it was just as if he had been, well, it was a huge, huge impact on me. So please prepare for that. Don't think just because they've been sick that when they go, it's not going to affect you because it, it, it will affect you. That's your daddy. So, mm-hmm. And my fear is that I will die in a nursing home. I don't want to go to a nursing home. My grandmother is 104, and she just went into a nursing home, and I'm trying to stay healthy because I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be in a nursing home. That is my biggest, biggest fear. Thank you for that comment. Anybody else have any comments before we... Yeah, thank you. I may have misunderstood the question partly because I thought it was how do we prepare not to be a burden on our children, but a very good example, I have a number of friends who have mothers that won't trust them with their finances, that are at the point of financial problems, that are determined to stay in their home and it's just really such a struggle for the kids both to convince them and to figure out what to do one lady is dawdled to where now she's probably not going to qualify for independent living and therefore is not going to make it into summit square where she had that opportunity a number of times i was blessed it wasn't a blessing of course that my mother passed away when i was young and so rapidly But my father, for the last 10 years, essentially, I watched him three years in North Carolina and then moved him here when it was time and ended up at Baldwin Park going from independent to assisted, finally to dementia wing. And the one blessing I had was my father was cooperative. 
It wasn't like these mothers that were so darn determined, I have to stay here and be by myself. And instead, he accepted. He accepted that my decisions were what he had to go with now, that he wanted to turn his finances over to me, that he was beyond doing this, and that cooperative. And because of that, he ended up in a much more social environment than he would have, you know, we kept him at our house for a month, and it just, you know, two different lifestyles. So in how you can be the least burden on your children, one thing you can do is now before your mind starts getting paranoid, you know, look forward to when do you sign over power of attorney, discuss now where you want to go. And, you know, you may lock in later that, oh, i got to stay in my house because this is where I've always been, and you'll be passing up, making a whole new set of friends and in a social atmosphere as you deteriorate that terrible thing of nursing home is not so bad when you realize you're surrounded by a lot of people your own age, and especially if you get there where you can still meet them and enjoy them, it can be good. Thank you. Anybody want to make a comment? Yeah, I have a grandmother right now who's dealing with the Alzheimer's dementia, and uh, I can say just from experience that one person really can't handle such a person. If you try, it's going to be hard. If you got a big family, that helps. But I think a lot of pediatricians step in. Like if you got uh, a person who has Alzheimer's, one child to take care of, that person needs help. We, we can help. So if, if not, the one person can handle that. Thank you. My in-laws went to Sunnyside at Massanetta, you know, which is a Presbyterian home and received wonderful care you know and like they say the social environment the opportunities took them everywhere my father had parkinson's and so for 25 years it was a slow downhill and mother was determined he was not going in a nursing home and by the time he died if he had lived much longer my mother would have been dead because she worked herself to a frazzle, taking care of him, determined he wasn't going in a nursing home. Thank you, Lynn. There's another comment over here, David. Uh, yeah. My parents. Hello. My parents just turned 90. Um, about 10 years ago, <clears throat> they moved into a, a PCA nursing home. Um, up in uh, Quarryville, Pennsylvania. Um, it was uh, several years before that that some of my siblings said they need to get out of their home, they can't take care of themselves, they need to move. But they were very happy in their home and very independent. They, they didn't want to go. And um, they probably didn't need to go. So my, my watch out would be uh, make sure it's the right time. Don't push it. Um, don't make judgments on their behalf. Um, they, you, they can make accommodations to stay where they are. But at some point, they have, to, they have to realize that it's time to go. And 10 years ago, after several years of, of uh, discussion about it, uh, they finally realized, okay, we, we can't take care of ourselves anymore. We, uh, we can't live in this house anymore. So 
we found this, this wonderful place in Quarryville. It's a PCA um, nursing home, um, independent living, assisted living, a nursing home, the three stages. And uh, they've been there for 10 years. And uh, they're still there. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful place. But um, uh, it was difficult to get them to go. But I think it was more difficult because some of us thought they needed to go before they needed to go. And, yeah, and uh, what makes it easy now is that uh, they know where they're going when it's time. And everybody's at peace with that. So um, they're very contented there, and uh, they'll be very satisfied to go when it's time to go because they know they're going to go see the Lord. You know, these, these uh, comments have been great. You, you all bring up so many issues. Yes, we're going to be absolutely devastated when our parents die, when our grandparents, absolutely. Um, we think that we're ready for this, but we're not ready for it. Um, my son-in-law just uh, uh, saw his father die a couple of weeks ago, and his father was 90 and really ready to go, a believer, and he wanted to go because he was tired of fighting it, and he, he had a rather painless death, and he died at home because they brought him from this, the care where he was getting care because they knew he was going to die, and he, he died at home. But it was still hard. It was so hard. And then uh, he told my daughter, you know how big families are, they, the grapevine is very good in large families. So he told my daughter and she told me, Don said, Mom, that uh, he never understood what you meant when you said, because it sounded so cruel to him, we are never really free until our parents die. But he understands it now, because now he doesn't worry about him anymore. He doesn't. He he knows that he's home. He's really truly home. And I think that sounds kind of cruel too. But we all must die, and that's another area we're going to get into. And I see. I hear us talking about guilt. I hear us talking about the guilt of putting our parents away, kind of, and we feel really guilty about that. Uh, I was interested in the, in the comments about people wanting to stay in their home. I'm there right now. Of course I want to stay in my home. That's exactly what I want to do. I love my home. I'm 78. And so my children and I started talking about that recently, and I realized I may not always be able to stay there. And I'm coming to grips with it. But I think talking about it early on really helps seeing what they want to do. Uh, and I think all those things, things are great suggestions. I think m most of us will come to grips with this if given the chance. Uh, my dad, he was like um, a lot of people I know. My dad, well, he was an Italian. He was very happy most of the time. I'm a lot like my dad. Uh, he just chose to not look at the things he didn't want to look at. For instance, he had a tooth that was hanging down in the front. And David said, Grandpa, I love this, Grandpa, you've got a tooth in the front there. It's just dangling there. And my dad looked at him and said, David, I've had that tooth over 80 years, and it's a perfectly good tooth, and I don't want to hear about it. So 
they said, fine, you know. And so he was like that with everything. And I found out, my mother told me that he was blind in one eye. So I said, Pop, I hear you can't see out of one eye. And he said, I can see perfectly out of both eyes. I have no problem with that. Then his doctor tells me he's blind as a bat in that eye. Well, he just chose to ignore it. He lived in denial a lot of the time, but he was a very happy person. Very happy. And I, and I, I yeah. So I do that too. That's one of the defense mechanisms, denial. I like to live in denial. Why look at it if I don't have to? You know, sooner or later I'm going to have to face a lot of things. But I, sometimes I deny too much also, and that doesn't help. But when it was time for him to go into assisted living facility, he was as happy as could be, and he loved it there. He absolutely loved it. He did everything. If they took the bus, you know, they do entertain these people a lot. If they went to the dentist, if they took a trip to the dentist, he went even if he didn't have an appointment because he liked to ride along and see everything. So he, he was that way. He enjoyed every minute of every day. And he told me when we moved, uh, after my mother died, when we went to move my dad out of the house that they lived in for over 50 years, we got them all packed up, and we're walking down the front walk for the last time around the side there to get in the car. And I said, Pop, I owe you an apology. I'm so sorry. I haven't asked you or said anything to you about how hard it must be for you to leave your home. And your wife died, and now you're leaving. He said, Honey, don't do that. He said, You never look back. You look forward. He said, Yes, I have to leave this house, but I lived here for a long time, and I'm ready to go. And he said, you know what I tell myself? The next time I come back to Oak Hill, West Virginia, it's going to be in a box. And he was right. He died and a couple of years later or so, and it was he came back by ambulance or whatever they take the bodies back in. And so that, that's what he told me. But he was so wonderful as a parent because he gave me that... Uh, take life as it comes kind of thing. But it's hard for us to do that sometimes. Does that help any at all, Dom? What, what anybody? Yeah. Part of what we wrestle with, I mean, my dad passed away three years ago, uh, about three, three years and two weeks ago, actually. Um, and the emotions you deal with are, are conflicting. I mean, you're, it, it's a relief because you don't see him suffering anymore. But then when you feel that way, it, it's, you, you start feeling guilty because, I mean, they cared for you when you were a child and you cared for them and it was hard and everything. So, I mean, you have this, this, this weight lifted off of you when he passed away and then you feel guilty because... You're, you know, you're happy for him at some point. I mean, he was a Christian and he's home with the Lord. But there, there's just all these conflicting things going around. The same thing with my mom. You know, it was you know, or still going on. Uh, we have, you know, my parents, neither one of them want to go in a nursing home. And so we're trying to honor that as much as we can. And we, we had caregivers for years and we just ran out of money. And so she's... My sister retired, and she, my sister's taking care of her. Lynn's down there now actually caring for her, and we're giving my sister two weeks off, essentially. But, um, 
there's just, you know, how, how do you deal with the emotions? I mean, how do you get over that? I, I think we're doing a fairly good job, but I, I know there's other people that are going to have these same problems that maybe they haven't, maybe their parents aren't where my parents are or we're right now. Uh, but how do we deal with that? I think, I, I think being Christians and understanding that we're just passing through helps a lot, but it's, we're also in a fallen world, and we're a fallen being, we're sinful beings, so we don't, while we say things, and it sounds religious, and it sounds wonderful, sometimes that's not how we're actually feeling inside. Very profound, frankly, because that's what we all do. Go ahead. Uh, uh, you got another seems to me that the heart issues for us as Christians relate strongly to our desire to, to fulfill the commandment to honor our mother and our father. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are asking that question honestly. How, how do we do that? And I think there are, a lot of, there are a lot of different answers. But in the midst of that, we may start with a relationship where we share differently. We don't share feelings and emotions the same way with our parents, even when they're healthy. And then when, when they begin, especially if dementia is involved, Actually, relating to them becomes even more difficult, and that clouds the heart issue of how it is that we're faithful to the commandment. So it really, those, those things work together to make it a very intricate uh, sort of thing. Thank you. You have some comments? John, help me out a second. What was our theme for our 40th, 40th General Assembly generations? Generations and community, and uh, during the during the uh, general assembly, they asked for all of those people who had been at the first one, 1973, to uh, stand to be recognized. Yeah, this this being the 40th, you know, 40 years is the is the sort of the biblical term for a generation. And uh, the, the interesting thing is, everyone who stood had the same color hair, um, but. Uh, you know, in thinking about that, I, I'm thinking that it would really be good if someone listened to their stories. And I think that's something that we uh, can do for our parents is encourage those stories. And my father lost a brother he was real close with uh, uh, a little over a year ago, but uh, that uh, triggered some trips back to Places he grew up as a child. Uh, we went to Goochland, where he'd lived as a very young child, and I heard some family stories I'd never heard before. And I think it was a joy for him to do that and to tell those stories. And I think when we listen to those stories, we honor our father and mother more than we can imagine. I love that. I really do. That's what I have found out about Bob's father. Once um, He was in World War II, and he was a pilot, and um, he never really talked about it. Uh, Bob, I don't, Bob didn't know. He didn't ever talk to you about it. But now that he's in the nursing home, he tells stories and stories and stories about what he did in World War II. And it's very, very interesting. And he may tell us the same story a couple of times over and over. At but least you know what? Two. He, yeah. he gets, he's, he's telling us. And, and that's exactly what Frank said. You know, we wouldn't have known these things if we wouldn't sit and listen to him. Oh, he, 
he was a hero. And he will be buried in Arlington Cemetery when he goes to see the Lord. Here's a thank you. Kind of tying together what Diana said and, and listening to what um, Don was saying, I think one of the best things we can do is, as, as a church, as believers, as friends or something, is to be a safe place for people to process these things. Because, you know, there's those of us that have had good relationships with our parents and are fa- facing the grieving and what it looks to say goodbye. There are those of us who have poor relationships with our parents and are sensing a different kind of freedom when they die. And I think the ability to be able to have a place where you can share those things, we can't, you know, we can't ignore them. We can't show, I mean, you can shove them down. They'll come back and bite you later. Mm -hmm. But to have a place where we can just share the whole myriad of emotions is very important as we walk through this. It certainly is. I, uh, that's, if I'm a therapist, I'm supposed to be one anyway. I have to believe that it helps to share. It helps to admit that you're feeling guilty. It, it helps to admit that you have these emotions. There's a practical side that, that needs to be considered, too. When my grandmother, um, my grandmother moved in with the family when my grandfather died because they had no resources. She had no job. Um, and she deteriorated over time into serious dementia. But there were no resources to put her in a nursing home or anywhere else. And my parents suffered for a number of years trying to care for her, trying to care for someone who, who didn't even recognize who they were, who kept calling out for her husband who had been dead for many years. And it was a terrible strain uh, on my parents. Um, particularly my mother, because my father had a job and he was working. And so as we think about taking care of people, particularly you young people, think about, or, or, or those of us of, the, of our generation, think about what it's going to be like when you need somebody to care for you. There's a, there's a financial side to this that needs to be considered. How is that going to happen? You know, you don't want to need care and become a terrible burden to your parents or to your children or to your grandchildren or anyone else. I mean, I I sympathize with what Don and his family are going through because I saw my parents go through it. It's terrible, terrible emotional, physical strain if you can't find a place that can that can give proper care to the people who need it. You know, we're doing what exactly what I want to see us do right now. The problems plus how we can help. Go ahead. As most of you know, uh, we watched my mother pass away with Alzheimer's, and she was in Summit Square for a good many years, and that was uh, that place was just a blessing for us. But it also taught us a lot of things, and and we hope that we have prepared better for our children if the same thing happens to us, because if you you see it happening to your parent, you think, this, is, this may be me. But at the same time, at our age, we think, oh, we've got a few more years. But this year, it really came home to us when my brother-in-law had the aorta rupture last December. He's 78 years, was well, 78 years old. He's 79 now. He is just now, seven months later, being able to barely get around 
with a walker. And this week, my sister told me that they are giving up their home, and they're going to go to Kendall in Lexington. And Kendall is right across the hill from them there. And, but for 40-something years, they have lived in that home. And for all of their life, and I've been telling her she needs to do something about it because we've moved a lot. So, But they have saved everything. They have a receipt from every car they ever bought. <laughs> and now she, without her husband, is going to have to figure out how to get rid of all these things. So I guess my point is, think about ourselves, too, and what we might be doing to our children. Because I've been on a couple of sides of it now, and I'll be helping my sister as much as she'll let me clean out that house. But we'll just have to see how it goes. Everybody's bringing up these I mean, these answers, these questions, which I can relate to, and I know other people in here can too. These are great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really glad we're doing this. Did you have a comment over there, David? Or? I took care of my father for uh, two years before he passed away. Sorry. Um, That's okay. That's great. My father um, was very abusive to his children. So out of his eight children, there was only three of us that were willing to take care of him the last couple of years of his life. And um, while I took care of him, there was a lot of healing that came between the two of us. <clears throat> but I think that my greatest fear is, um, you know, the mistakes that I've made with my children and leaving and not having things settled because, you know, there's five siblings that really don't care that my dad's gone. Um, so that's really hard um, to deal with. And I think that I think that that's probably my biggest fear is leaving things unresolved <clears throat> with my children. Wow. I'm a great admirer of yours, Karen. I think a lot of us in here are. You have really been through it in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, you, to me, live the Christian life. Uh, but you're still you're suffering with some things, and you don't know... You're leaving questions unanswered. Let me tell you now, there aren't answers to all these. As far as we know, there aren't answers to all this. Sometimes we never will get things reconciled, and so we live with it. I think it does help to, to share that, to get it out, and I think all of us can relate to that because we all have pain, pain like that. Thank you. Anybody else have any idea about how you how you deal with something like Karen's talking about? Go ahead. Yeah. There we go. Uh, I actually felt I had a choice. I, I had every reason in the world. I could have completely justified leaving my father down in Frisco, North Carolina, in a deteriorating trailer 
in deteriorating situation, and I could have told myself, you know, he made his own bed. And the one way you can deal with it is just like Karen did, that you know, maybe not all of the other, all the issues won't be resolved, but in the end, the fact that you stepped up and did what you were, you know, did the right thing, you'll feel better for that. Even if those past issues never get resolved, all those past pains don't get passed. If you as a child say, regardless, I'm going to take care of this situation now, you'll feel better for it. And so I have, you know, no regrets about having cared for my father in his last years. Thank you. I have a happy story. Um, my, my paternal grandfather was a cantankerous old coot that drove his family crazy. And now my paternal grandmother was a wonderful Christian lady who raised her five children in the church and never missed, you know, and they all are believers, but not grandpa. And um, when he finally got in his 90s and couldn't stand Pennsylvania winters anymore, my parents were the only one that stepped up to the plate and said, come live with us in Florida. And uh, nobody can resist my mother. She She said, this was her approach. Do you believe Sarah, his deceased wife, is in heaven? Oh, yes. Sarah was the best woman ever lived. I know Sarah's in heaven. He missed her terribly, of course. And she said, well, don't you want to see Sarah again? Oh, I'd do anything to see Sarah again. Well, all you have to do is become a Christian. You know, and she started reading. I mean, she, he was her captive. She read the Bible to him all day long. He became a believer at 90-something. Wow. And spent the last six months of his life immersed in that Bible, dreaming about seeing Sarah again. So, you know, the grace of God. It would have been nice if he'd done it 40, 50 years before. But but at least the last six months of his life, he was a different person. Thank you. there were just so many things I wanted to relate to in here. Uh, one was getting your uh, parents to tell stories and your, your, your grandparents. I, I finally got to, I tell my students this, the medical students, the residents. Make sure, you don't know your parents. I always tell them, they say, yeah, we know our parents. No, you don't. You don't know them at all. You don't know your grandparents. Get to know them. You'll be surprised. And I hadn't done it myself, really. And so I I took a tape recorder, and and I asked my dad and mom if they would each just talk to me about their childhoods, and did I ever get an earful. I found out that two of my uncles were rum runners back in Italy. (laughs) I really liked hearing that. Um, But uh, I found out that my mother used to love to ride horses bareback. I had no idea my mother ever rode horses bareback. Uh, there were a lot of other things on that tape that I found out that I, that I well, not, well, I've got it with me, not here today, but I mean, the things that I will, I'm glad I found out. So do that. I just wanted to share, my mom doesn't talk about the past much, but we are getting ready to put together a scrapbook. The whole family is putting together a scrapbook for my aunt who will be 90 in September. And 
last night, Mom was going through her pictures, and I heard my mom talk last night. And I just wanted to give you an idea that if you've got a parent that doesn't talk, bring out the pictures because that gets Great. you talking. Um, she had a picture of my dad. She's put him in a scrapbook when he was 22 years old. And my dad's been gone for 40 years. She pulled out this picture of him at age 22. And I, and I said, I'd seen this picture when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen him for a long, long time. And I said, he was a handsome man, wasn't he? I didn't think he was as he got older. And uh, she says, I always thought so. And, you know, just things like that. That You know, we haven't, Dad hadn't been around for 40 years, and we were talking about Daddy last night. And so pictures help bring out the story. They do. That's one of the things that I use in doing couples therapy. I have my, my couples individually bring me three photographs each related to something in their marriages that had meaning to them. And you can get a lot out of that. Pictures do, they get a lot of memories from people. Thank you. I heard another thing about um, uh, your parents who, when we start to repeat things all the time, and that is a fear of mine because I teach. And so I know that I'm going to do it in here. I'm going to repeat things, and y'all are going to wish I wasn't doing this. Because I think we do start to do that. But my mother drove me batty one day. I was, I was visiting her, and she was really uh, not all there at that time. And um, she yelled at me from the – I was out in the kitchen. She yelled, Patty, Patty, come quick. You've got to see this. You've got to see this. She was watching TV like she always did at 1,000 decibels, which also drove me crazy. And so she said, we've got a volcano. We've got a volcano in this country. Well, that was interesting. So I went in there, and I got to see Mount St. Helens erupting. I thought, wow, this is really cool. And so then I go back in the kitchen. Of course, in those days, news went every 30 minutes. 30 minutes later, Patty, Patty, come quick. You've got to see this. So I went all day long. You know, come and see this. We've got a volcano erupting. And I just wanted to... I hated that volcano by the time, you know. So you're going to get some of this. I mean, seriously. I mean, you, you just have to learn. I don't have a lot of patience sometimes. Um, I don't because I'm busy. I hate to tell you all that. I'm busy. I've got things to do. And I didn't want to watch my Mount St. Helens every 30 minutes for 24 hours or however long. The other thing my parents did was they were, well, they were, they were getting hard of hearing, so they got up first thing in the morning and they turned the TV on, and I mean loud. Then they promptly fell asleep, <laughs> both of them, okay, thankfully. So I would go in and I would turn the TV down, and they'd say, who turned the TV down? <laughs> so I had to wear earplugs visiting my parents, or my eardrums would have been blown out. So, you know, there are things that we have to realize we're going to have to put up with. That's just the, that's just the way it is. Now, we do have, a, we do, do you want to say something, Bill? I'm going to keep talking. Yeah, I didn't know your hand was up or not. I saw sort of a hand there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not very good at public speaking, so. Oh, yeah. I'm shy about it. Old shy Bill's going to talk to us now. <laughs> we have four kids who have walked away from the Lord. Uh, oh. Each of them has professed the Lord. I'm not sure about all of them, how real that was. And at this point, I'm not really sure about any of them. Uh, 
whether they're in Christ or not. But anyhow, they're not with him now. They do, uh, at least two of them, really express in, well, for instance, Father's Day card last week, uh, really expressed deep love. And several of them did that. Uh, one daughter forgets everything. Forgets Mother's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, everything. But anyhow, she still says she loves us. But um, that's that's a burden that we have. Uh, and two of them have said they don't want to talk about it. Um, and that makes it harder still. So the only thing that I've done outside of we constantly pray for them, that's a daily prayer that we have for our children. Uh, I have written letters to each child, to each grandchild, to each spouse that I have available upon my desk. And so um, either one of our children is executor or is Rosalind will give that to them upon my desk. And it um, recollects the positive things of their lives that we've been through. Um, that's the bulk of it, but it also shares where I am and why I'm there and just another plea that they uh, consider the gospel. And, uh, and of course, they'll all be at memorial service, which, Lord willing, if the Lord doesn't come first, we'll be right here. And uh, so I'm looking forward to them hearing the gospel there. In fact, I've said in my little trip to Essen, be sure that it's preached, and I'm sure he would anyhow. Uh, <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would. I'll vouch for us. So, <laughs> and just the warmth of the people here, I'm sure, will be a positive thing. But, but that is a burden for Christian parents who see their kids walk away from the Lord. It certainly is. That's another problem that we have to deal with. You're doing the greatest thing. you got another person here. You're doing the greatest thing to do this, pray. Go ahead. My mom is in Baldwin Park. She's 93. She's been there, well, in September, been there five years. Um, Some of y'all know part of our story. We came back to the Valley 11 years ago. And... um, Mom was aging, lived upon the side of a hill, two-story farmhouse, all the issues that go with that. Um, The first mistake I made uh, was treating her like she was my sister. And she actually, to my sister, said, yeah, I was her big brother. So I was trying to fix things rather than listen to her. So I started listening to her. And this is a home that Dad fixed up for her back in the 70s. He died in 81. She always said she never was going to leave. But it was very obvious she couldn't stay there. So um, I did a lot of praying and a lot of listening. I offered to fix a bathroom, bedroom downstairs, all the solutions that you could put out there. Uh, and kind of live with us. We fixed our house up with a room 
with the bath off of it so that she could come live with us. Uh, none of those things worked out. And I finally realized it was not mine to fix. It was mine to be her son. Finally, she fell at church, coming out of the church, and just literally sat back. She could have hurt herself badly, but didn't even, she takes cumin and didn't even bruise herself. And I started praying, Lord, give me the opening. And three weeks later, she was taking her sister, who was four years older than her, to Walmart. She'd come home from Walmart. She'd have to bring in the ice cream and milk and then come back later and get the rest of it. I mean, she was that physically debilitated. And when they came home the next day, I said, well, how'd your girls get along yesterday? And she said, well, I had to sit down eight times in Walmart before I finished shopping. And I said, Mom, I said, you know, I've been really concerned since you fell. I said, you could have gone to the hospital for 24, 48 hours, and it's okay, where do you want to go? And you wouldn't have a choice. And the Lord gave us the opening to talk to her. And in listening to the stories this morning, the reason I wanted to share was every one of them is different. Mm-hmm. Every one of them is different because our parents are different. And we can't fix it. And only the Lord can give us the openings, the opportunity, the chance to uh, do the right thing. And she went to Baldwin Park. I mean, she's not excited that she's out of her home. She still doesn't like the green beans. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the fact is she is safe and reasonably content. And, you know, it's in his hands. Thank you. Uh, we're running just a little bit over time. I thank you for this outpouring of, of emotions and, and sharing of stories. Uh, I do know that we have all these wonderful promises that God gives us. And we're learning how to help each other. Just knowing each other better is going to do it. But I'd like just to read this. The greatest promise of all, I think. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called, and whom he called them, he also justified, and whom he justified them, he also glorified. If you want comfort, read Romans. Uh, Of course, this is Romans 8, the whole chapter for that matter, but all the book of Romans. Um, I thank you for this, and we've got so many things to talk about in here for the next few weeks. And I want you to bring, if you have scripture you want to share, do that too. Because I am no theologian. I do not pretend to be a theologian. So please, bring scripture if you'd like to and, and, and help us with that. 
Um, Frank, would you, you close us in prayer? And then, because you also want to give us a commercial. Yes, I, I've been instructed to do a commercial. <laughs> Does everybody know what these are? All right. Has everyone filled one of these out? We have a wonderful half an hour between now and time worship service starts. If you haven't filled one of these out, I have it on good authority that uh, uh, discipline is going to get involved if you don't. <laughs> Actually, uh, Susan would really appreciate it if you all would get these filled out and turn them in. It's going to be a great help to our church, uh, and uh, I would really appreciate it if you do that. So uh, got a little bit of time right now. It would be a great time to do that. Uh, and let me close this with prayer. First of all, uh, thanks to Patty for doing this. Uh, you know, today was good. I mean, you know, uh, it's not often that, that that I have trouble seeing because there's you know water in my eyes, but uh, this morning I had trouble seeing, and uh, uh, that was that was just good. Father, uh, aging is part of a fallen world. A world that uh, that turned against you, but that you have redeemed, that you have are redeeming, that you have great promises for those uh, uh, that you call, as uh, the Scripture tells us. Father, we look forward uh, to that day when all things are made new, and uh, as we journey along uh, the path of life. Just pray that you would uh, ever be with us and uh, uh, conform us more to the image of your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.